0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always,
1: is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason.
0: And here in the U-Bus, it is Thanksgiving week. I'm doing the turkey trot, but no one can see it. It's a dance. It's a real dance. No, it's not. It totally is. Okay, I love NCIS. If you haven't watched it, you should. Um, but there's an episode, a Thanksgiving episode... Um, where Gibbs comes into Abby's lab and it's Thanksgiving. And so Abby is playing music and she's doing the turkey chat.
1: I guess I don't remember.
0: Oh, it's such a good one. Anyway, uh, it is Thanksgiving. I have spent all day cooking and then I was feeling kind of weird and I took my temperature and I'm like, Oh, you have a fever. So if I say anything crazy during this podcast, it's, I'm going to blame it on fever and do stupor. I'll try not to say anything crude, Or terrible that will make this not safe for your families. (laughs) That usually doesn't come on when I'm in a fever.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, that's usually feverless. That's when you start getting potty. (laughs) Oh,
0: yokey. Yes, everyone knows Katie. She just swears like a sailor all the time on the podcast.
1: Yep, yep. That's what, I mean, that's how I remember it.
0: Mm -hmm. You'd have to bleep this a lot more if that were true. We'd get like little E-ratings on all of our podcasts. That's true. Um, So we still have a lot to cover this episode. So I want to get right to news. Um, Maybe you're listening after you've stuffed yourself with turkey. And uh, I hate to disappoint you, but news is going to be short. (laughs) I had two items of news. And then after a little further digging, uh, the one thing I want to talk about was this really pretty Japanese game about flowers called Bouquet, um, but it's only shipping in Japan. And I don't think we have a fan base in Japan at the moment.
1: Uh, I think there's a couple people that listen. I've looked at the demos, and I think there's a couple.
0: If you listen, not enough oh. to,
1: to matter, I think.
0: If you listen in Japan, number one, let us know. And number two, check out Bokeh. It looks really cool. But instead, I'm going to talk about a different game. Um, fr- It's from uh, Flying Man Games. They're actually out of Australia. And I do know we have a number of Aussies who listen to us. So hey, you guys are awesome. I did not mean that as a pun. I'm sorry if it came out that way. Uh, and they've also made one that I looked at before called Prognosis Death that had some really funny artwork. So... Uh, this one just actually looks really good, and it's called Inheritance. And Inheritance is a card game, and I'm a big fan of card games that like kind of play quickly um, but have really good decisions, and this Inheritance looks like it. So actually, it's for two to four players, and what you're trying to do is prove your legitimacy as a suitor. Um, by addressing some kind of changing desires from this royal family and the successor to the royal family. Um, and you're going to kind of do that with multi-use cards. The car- the artwork on these cards are really cool. It's uh, kind of minimalistic in some ways, uh, really beautiful like colors, kind of stained glass artwork, but not like a lot of faces on like the people they show, which I think is really interesting. So you've got these cards. um, You actually do have a main board. So it's not, I guess, all cards. But there's a board that shows the royal family and the successor who you're trying to win over. There's also a proposal laid out. So what's interesting about this is each card has suits of different colors. And the yellow suit is um, like, they're all kind of related to proposals. So the yellow suit is a coin, so it means that uh, that that kind of proposal means you have a large dowry to offer. And so your the parents will like you. So that means that uh, the if you play a card at the beginning of your turn that matches one of the suits of the parents, then you are a favored suitor because of course, the parents want a suitor with lots of money, right? Okay? See how that works? Thematic. Um, there's also, like, uh, a love suit, which is um, a favor of the successor. There's like a peace suit where you're like, hey, we're just kind of making um, this match like as an advantageous thing. Like, hey, we're, we're not here to fight. So any missing suits that like if it's not the successor or one of the parent suits. So it's like outside of that, that's favored suit. Or you can choose war and no suits are favored. So you're just duking it out based on um, kind of like the rank of the cards. So you've got all these cards. They have different names on them, like beggar, assassin. Um, trying to think of what else. Fid- what is that? It's not, is that fiddler? I don't know what that is. Oh, vizier, general. Um, you've got your royals. You've got your soldiers, your thespians, peasants, cleric. Okay. So all these different kinds of people that have different suits assigned to them. They also have a special power on their text. So on your turn, like you either want to play a suitor that is going, that's favored. And then that means you win. Um, Or you're trying to play cards to put your, to be the one who has a favored suitor. So you're playing cards to like change the rank that wins, um, to change the proposal, like suit that wins, um, to get rid of other people's cards, like all those things, like it's just this kind of cool card play mechanism, like your cards can be used in multiple ways, and you're deciding how you get your, what's left in your hand, to be the most advantageous, so that way you can win. I mean, you're trying to start your turn with the, with the favorite admirer and that's how you win. But if you don't, you try to make it so that when it comes back around to you, you can. Uh, again, not like overly complex as far as how to play. It even comes with a wedding ring in every box it says, um, and the box kind of has like the look of like the book um, like the ones from facade games. I remembered a company, oh my gosh. Good job. I can't believe I just did that. Amazing. Um, like Facade Games. So it has this nice, it's got this like medieval look to it. I just think it looks really fun. And I love, and like then it plays quickly. So you could do it again. Uh, Tarot sized cards with cool art. I like multi-use cards. I like that kind of thing. Some cool strategery going on there. So if you like any of those things... Or you're like, what is her incoherent rambling about? Check out Inheritance by Flying Man Games. It's on Kickstarter. It has seven days left on the Kickstarter and it's thirty bucks. Which isn't bad for a wedding ring.
1: No, that's not bad. And it has some cool art. Has like if sounds like it's like a funky trick taking game and you know. I dig that. So this is definitely one that I have liked on the Kickstarter page. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's more like trick-taking. It kind of reminds me in some ways of um, Council of Verona. Only there's not like hidden agendas, but you're trying to change like who's in favor.
1: Um, Oh, I see. Like a tableau manager thing. There's kind
0: of a, there's another game that's better to describe it, but I can't think of it at the moment. It'll come to me or someone will just tell me and I'll be like, you're right, I'm an idiot. But it does. It does look really fun, and kind of like how it does it. And it's. I, I think the art is cool.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Sounds good.
0: All right, that's that's all I have for news. Thank goodness.
1: All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. We've actually played a lot of games because we didn't have the podcast last week.
0: That was totally my fault. I'm so sorry.
1: So. The games we're going to talk about this week are the games that we were going to talk about last week. So we played them a couple weeks ago, but they're still worth talking about. And the first one that I wanted to talk about, that we're going to talk about, is a game called Obscurio. And this is from the same company that did Mysterium, which is... I don't know who that is. Um, Not sure. But it's the same company. This is kind of like a... A spiritual successor, I guess, because it plays similarly. And now, what this game is—while Katie's looking up who did it—this um, is a game where someone is playing as the clue giver. And we kept uh, the person who was doing this kept calling themselves the Book. They taught the game, so I don't actually know what they're called. So we're going to call them the Book. That's supposed to
0: be book. thematic. Is the Book and it's Libellud.
1: Libellud. Okay, that's the publisher. So they're the Book, kind of like a magical tome or something. I don't know. And everyone else is playing an investigator or something. I don't even know what the other roles are. Mm, well, we're kind of- uh, but so everybody is working. It's a cooperative game. Everybody's working together. And what we're trying to do is the book is going to be giving some clues on these two cards that are round and like Dixit cards. So they're just funky art. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to find the do- exit out of these six or eight different doors cards that are up on this tableau by looking at the clues that the book has given us. The interesting thing is one person who's playing is a traitor or a spy or I don't know what the term is, but wants us to not get it right. So we're all working together except for that one person to try to find the door. As long as one person finds the door, we advance on the track one step closer to winning for every person that gets it wrong though we're going to be using some of these tokens losing some of these tokens that are kind of like the game timer. So we won't need to complete the game before we run out of those tokens to in the in the time. And each turn there's going to be a different event that gets pulled out of this bag that's going to take the game and flip it on its head, make give us more doors to look at, may put us under some time pressure, all that kind of thing. Um so so yeah, it's it's mysterium-esque but it's easier to play and easier to teach I think but still has a similar kind of vibe and same art, same good art, same good production, all that stuff. And I kind of enjoyed this one. It was good. So how'd you feel about Obscurio?
0: Um, I I did like this. I have some reservations about Mysterium. It's not bad. I just, I, I, I don't know. I haven't played it in a long time. The components are cool, but it's really hard. I like that you work together on this. I think that helps. Um, because sometimes the clues can almost seem obscure. Also, the cool thing about this. So like the sorcerer is trying to get you and you've got this grimoire, which is actually what you're a book. But it is a book. But that's what the the person who's kind of running the game is. So the nice thing about this that I think helps when compared to Mysterium is that you can have like little arrows to point to items on the, the cards that are being used. So that helps like you can talk through like narrowing things down um, to help figure out what they're pointing at, which I think is helpful. Then the trader, it's kind of cool like there's these event cards that also mix things up and the trader can add in cards they think might be confusing um, to help throw everybody off. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't hard, I don't think, but it was you know kind of intense and just interesting to try to work through and um, I think it has kind of a higher player count. Uh, It plays up to eight also. So, And I think with the higher player counts, it is better. We played with, what, six?
1: Me, you, Jamie. Yeah, it was six. So one was the book and then five guessers.
0: Yeah. And that was good, and even more would be good, but I thought that that was kind of a good number because you get a variety of people's like opinions and ways of looking at things, and um, the cards do look really cool. So that's another thing I like a lot. And of course, why wouldn't I love a game that has a theme of being in a library? I mean, come on, it was like it was made for me. Uh, the designer of this was Atelier, Latelier, if that helps. Yeah, I don't no, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, Libelude also publishes so. Yeah, I, I liked it. I would definitely play this one again. It kind of made me think about, like, pulling out Mysterium and dusting it off a little bit. Um, but I think that the 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 co- cooperative component and the, the little arrow things help kind of mitigate the fact if you have someone who's kind of leading the game, the medium, I think it is, in Mysterium, and you're not really quite sure, like, how they intend things, this helps with that. But I still kind of think maybe we need to play Mysterium.
1: Yeah, and this is it has a lot of similar DNA to Mysterium. Oh, absolutely. It's it's pretty similar, but I also think I haven't played Mysterium for a long time. But Mysterium's not cooperative, right?
0: Correct. It's not.
1: Everyone's trying to score, figure out who their own murderer is, and all that kind of thing.
0: Right. Well, and so that's why I said I like the cooperativeness of this yeah, in comparison. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I think it makes more sense. As a cooperative game than it does as a competitive game, for sure.
0: I wonder if you could just take Mysterium and play it cooperatively.
1: You probably could. I I mean, I don't know how, because everybody has their own murderer that they're trying to guess.
0: Well, work from one murderer.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. It might be too easy that way. I, yeah. yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, but it was good. All
1: right, so the next game, Katie mentioned Facade Games earlier. And I did. the next one that we got to play is actually going to be the newest one that's going to be hitting kickstarter in january yeah look at that cult of the future is oh what we do here gosh
0: we're practically and, <laughs> boring and super boring
1: <laughs> and this game is called hollywood 1947 and this is same packaging it's in the book all that kind of thing but this theme is really interesting so this is about um the move the red scare among hollywood in 1947 so we're each taking on, you're going to be on a team. You're either going to be a Patriot or a Communist. Or if you have an odd number of players, I think I'm not sure of the breakdown, but someone's going to be a rising star. And they don't care who wins. They just want to have enough movies made at the end so they can win as a tie. But Communists win if they make four movies in their favor. Patriots win if they make four movies in their favor. And this gameplay is pretty straightforward and simple. I don't like using straightforward, but it, it this one actually is pretty simple. On your turn, you're going to you're going to have this role in front of you that's going to let you do some sort of like movie role. You can activate that ability. That's one action you can take. You can swap your role with another role that's out on the table. There's nine different ones, I believe. Or you can roll two different person, people's dice. And the dice are going to be how you're going to be playing cards to make the movie, which is the second phase. So if you have a die that has a star, you get to play a card into the movie pile. And that, that's the, the, core of the game so there's going to be a movie flipped up it may be a neutral movie it may be a communist movie it may be a patriot movie then whoever has a star is going to be playing a card from their hand into that movie to try to get it to fall into their team's score pile and there's also going to the cards are
0: just like on secret hitler where it's just a basic like
1: right yeah they're communist patriots neutral that kind of thing similar mm -hmm. deal and then you're going to take one from the top of the deck. You're going to shuffle it. If someone was the editor role, they can look at the card and remove one from the game. Uh, if there's no editor, you're just going to take one randomly and, and take it out of the movie. Then you're going to refill all the cards. If there's more communist symbols, the communist wins. If there's more patriots, that movie is a patriot movie. If there's a tie, it busts in the communist favor on every movie except the last one, which is how the rising star wins. That, that part is kind of tricky, but... Really, the gameplay is pretty simple, but that little seventh movie thing is weird. It's a really simple game. It has a great theme. It's in the little book series, the Dark Cities series, which I really enjoy. And I can't wait to actually get a copy of this, put it on the shelf, and play it at a higher player count. I played it at four, and this is definitely one of those games that I think would shine at a higher player count. So how did you feel about Hollywood
0: 1947? Well, I won. (laughs) as a communist so that was really great so of course i liked it probably a little more so
1: what we we had one communist two patriots and a rising star right
0: yeah i took the rest of you fools out with my communist ways hello comrades it was um we've played all of these and honestly this uh could easily probably become my favorite i think because i'm it's more the gameplay was familiar but I also thought the theme was so cool. The production is so good. We even just had a prototype. Um, I was so sad when we had to mail it to somebody else. Um, I was like, dang, I want to play with more people because it was really fun. Like it is secret Hitler-esque. But again, since people were so upset, I mean, I guess they could probably get upset about the whole communism thing, too, if they want. Um, about that theme. Then they may like this. Uh but with the cool roles that are added that allow you to like manipulate cards, or manipulate dice, um, that you can change roles to put yourself in a position that'll maybe like help out your cause more while trying not to look suspicious while trying to throw suspicion. Um, again, as an avid fan of Social Deduction, I I really enjoyed it, and I am so excited to play it again. Um, it made me also want to play. There are other games like um, Salem sixteen.
1: I don't know. I, don't, I just say the names because I never remember the numbers.
0: <laughs> I try to. Uh, I, I obviously fail every time. Salem. I want to say like sixteen ninety seven, but I don't. Don't quote me on that. But it has. Like that's another one where you've got secret role, hidden roles and stuff, um, and so I kind of want to give that one another go because it. I felt like it was kind of hard the first time we played it, but I think maybe I've gotten, we've gotten more experience with games like that, so it might go better this time. But yeah, it was good. Um, the production, ugh, like the art and like the design of it, is super cool. So if you've never, um, like played one of these games or thought about backing them or whatever and you like social deduction this is definitely the one to do it i would say i really enjoyed it
1: yeah all their games kind of have that similar hidden role hidden team thing but this one's definitely the easiest one of all of them Mm -hmm. for sure and this one has a set number of rounds which is pretty nice it's not going to go any more than seven rounds that's it right right so it could go four it could go five, six, or seven, but it will never go more than seven. It won't be any less than four. So you know what you're looking at there, which some people kind of enjoy. I kind of enjoy you that. Like. speak for myself. <laughs> uh, that way I'm not playing a social deduction game for three hours. We're playing a game. We're having a good time, and then we can move on to something fun. <laughs> um, that's just how I feel about it. But no, th- this is fun. I-, I love all these games except for one. I don't really like the Western one, but all the other ones are great. They look amazing, and They're really good social deduction games. So, yeah. Check it out when it hits Kickstarter. We'll have a video. And the last game. Now, this is probably my favorite one on this list. Um, So, we got this from Fan Zero. He was giving away some games. We had like a little gaming day and he traveled down. We didn't have it, but our friend Kim had it. And he came and we were there. And this is a card game from Steve Jackson Games called Simon's Cat. Now... Why would I take a game from Steve Jackson for one and <laughs> called Simon's Cat for another? Well, our kids watch this stupid little cartoon on some free TV app, Tubi or something. It it's this little black weird. black and white, like, it looks like a comic strip kind of. Because it is. This little stupid, oh, it is a comic?
0: That's where it's based on, yeah.
1: Okay. It's a stupid little cat that's really annoying, a little terror um so it, a cat. It, yeah he he like uh, is terrible to the master always making a mess simon is the guy so he's terrible to simon always making a mess so i've watched a ton of that show it's really funny um it's annoying but it's really funny so when i saw that he had the game i had to play it or had to get it so we played it and i love it this game's so good <laughs> it's effectively uno So there are different suits of cards. I don't know, five or six different suits of cards. I
0: don't think it's Uno, honey.
1: Well, well, it plays like Uno, so so we'll get to that in a second.
0: Okay, go ahead with your bad explanation.
1: So there's five or six different suits. Each suit has a different number of cards. So it's going to range from two cards to like 13 cards. So, and they're different colors. On your turn, you're going to play a card down that matches either the number or the color of the previous card that was played. Uno style. So that's where the Uno comes in. But what you're trying to make sure you're not doing is, well, you want to make sure you always play a card because if you can't play a card, you have to take the pile of cards, and that's called making a mess. So whoever takes the most amount of cards, the most piles of cards, meaning they can't play a card when it comes to them, gets a Simon card, which is a little card that has Simon like scowling at the cat. And if you get three Simons, you lose the game and everybody else wins. So it's a race to see who can get to three Simons first and they lose, or if multiple people get to three Simons, they lose. Um, and then everybody else is the winner. So it's got uno mechanisms, but the collecting piles is a little bit different because that's not uno. So that's a unique to this one, but that's the gameplay. It's really simple. It's real fun. I love the art. It's adorable. And, Definitely can't wait to play it with our youngest because I think she'll dig it. So how do you feel about Simon's Cat? And then you can fix my explanation if you want.
0: Okay, Simon's Cat should not be as much fun as it is, like legitimately. It's like a trick-taking game where you don't want
1: tricks. Yeah, Uno meets trick-taking, yes. I'm not giving up on the Uno thing.
0: It reminds me of Crazy 8s more than Uno.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah I can see. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Thank you. I haven't played that one <laughs> as much. Oh, I played so. the crap
0: out of that. That's my first cursed card game I ever learned to play was that. Um, it, like, the artwork is adorable, and also, I I think we probably appreciate it if you have seen the comic, or if you have watched the little animated show they've made of it, then you will really appreciate the artwork. But again, it's, like, just the idea of, like, okay, I don't want to make a mess, how do I make someone else take this mess? And, like, that tension of, like, okay, what's left? Uh, How many of these gnomes have I seen? Oh, crap, like, okay, all right, all right, well... I've taken one mess, but I think you're going to get stuck with three. So it doesn't matter. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous how much you get into it. And you're like rooting for other people to not have cards. And you are, you know, you're living the life of the cat. Like make messes but blame it on somebody else is really the goal of it. And it's, it's dumb. Like it's such dumb fun that you can't help but like love it. So I think I'm sure you can get this cheap at places because, um, again, I don't love Steve Jackson games. Uh, but this one is is just a fun little card game, fun to play with kids. And then, yes, I would definitely check it out. It's on Tubi for free to watch, watch the cartoon, especially if you have cats. If you have cats, everything about this, you're like, oh, my gosh, I totally get it. Like, <laughs> you get the card game. You get the videos. It's It's all there. So, yeah, it was good. It's a fun little time.
1: Yeah, I, d- I did make a video of this, so it's on our YouTube channel, and I think I said this is my second favorite Steve Jackson game,
0: oh, first one being Revolution.
1: Revolution. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, this one is actually—it's su- just super fun. Like, it's stupid, it's silly, it's simple, but it's just a good time. I have a fun time playing this. It's so good. Um, so yeah. Anyway, those are the three games that we played. Let's keep going. <laughs>
0: Still cutting down our top 100 games of all time as we head toward the end of 2022. So, this week we are coming to you with number 70 down to number 61. So, we're basically covering the 60s. Uh, I gotta admit, I got some games on here. I'm like, wait, I know I like this game. But what's it about? And this is the part of the list for me where I'm hitting games I know are good, I just don't play them maybe as often as I should. Or we don't own them, but the first time I played them, ugh, they were enough to really stick out to me. Now Jason doesn't have any of those on his list, but I do, and we don't have any crossover this week. So you're getting a full 20 different games. So Jason, I know, you start off with your number 70. Let's get started.
1: All right, so my number 70 is a game that I made a trade for. It was criminally out of print for a while from Days of Wonder. Then there was a deluxe version that came out from a place called Mojito Studios. And this game is called Cleopatra and the Society of Architects. And this game has fantastic production, so we'll talk about that first. Great plastic bits. You're using the bottom of the box as, like, this... Thing to build on. You're actually putting pieces around the the box, so using foundation. it as part of the yeah foundation. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> uh, you're using the box as part of the board, which is cool. Um, you're putting stuff on top of that box, putting stuff around it. But at, at its core, what this game is, it's a it's a card game, effectively, and you're drafting cards from one of these three sets of cards that's out in the market. The trick with these cards is some of them are face up, some of them are face down, and you don't know always what you're getting. So you may take a pile of cards, and you know there may be a couple good cards face up, but all the cards that are face down, you don't know, what they are, and they could be terrible, or not what you need, or something that give you a lot of like curses and all that. And you're trying to use those cards to build the different types of things around the board to score points. Um, some of the cards are really good. And if you use them, they're going to give you these curses, or I forget what they're called. Um, but whoever has the most of them at the end of the game is going to lose, so you don't want to get those. And as you're building things, you're going to roll these dice. And if once all the dice show an onk symbol on them, you're going to do like an auction to try to get rid of some of your corruption. Corruption, that's the word.
0: There you go.
1: And uh, whoever at the end of the game has the, le- the most amount of corruption loses. Everybody else is alive and will add up their score from buildings and cards and all that stuff that they have. It's a uh, most of the game is the production value. It's a pretty basic game at its heart, really, but I really enjoy it. It's fun and it looks good. So my number seventy, Cleopatra and the Society of Architects, and it has a lot of beige and tan, which I do appreciate.
0: Yeah, it feels a little gimmicky to me, and I've gotten eaten by alligators every time, so I guess I don't
1: <laughs> Same.
0: have as favorable of a look on it as I think other people might. <laughs> Because apparently
1: I am terrible at this game, but you have a good time. You having a good time until you get eaten by the alligator. So uh, I don't know if I'm crocodile. A good time. I guess crocodiles. Right? Yes, crocodiles.
0: Because we're going to be in Egypt, um, in a different, completely different part of the world. Uh, my number seventy is, of course, a theme that I love, and I didn't play it for so long because it's one of those games that Jason would play with everybody but me for some reason. I don't. I don't know why he. Does I only played this. it
1: once. I only played it once before we played it.
0: Okay, still very upsetting. <laughs> uh, but that game is Yido. So Yido is in Japan. I have all the feels for Japan, of course. Uh, but this game is really cool. Like you are working in, like you're like these elders in the city of Ido, which is what eventually becomes later Tokyo. Much, much later. Uh, and so you're trying to really like go around and, and like do the best that you can in the city. So you're like, uh, you're getting prestige points. So you can complete missions to do that, but you have to get stuff in order to complete missions. Um, and some of these missions are dreadfully hard, but it's worker placement. I'm trying to remember this game for the life of me. It's worker placement. I know there's some places that can get blocked off sometimes um, where you can't go. And there's only, like, it's not unlimited worker placement. So sometimes you're just trying to get to the place that you need as soon as you can. Um, gosh, come on, brain. And there's some areas you can't go for some reason. or You have to have the right cards to go there.
1: You can't go to an area when that little guy's blocking it off.
0: Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Little but- red,
1: the little red or blue guy yeah um you can go to sometimes there are events that come out that will block off yes, sections
0: yes yes other
1: than that there's just a, a limitation on how many people can go there
0: and of course inevitably everyone's to go to the place that you want to go or you want to go to some place more than once but other people are there um to just like you're collecting weapons um gosh I was, like, looking at the cards trying to remember. There's,
1: there's, there's geishas that you're trying geishas. to get. There's um,
0: geishas. And some of them are like, you got to kidnap this, like, official's... Wife, or you got to kill this other person's son, or you need to learn some secrets at the ceremony. It's espionage. So there's even like some set collection that you can do um, with the different kinds of like mission cards that you can get. But the mission cards require you, like maybe you have to have someone in a place for some influence. You have to have money. You have to have certain type of weapons or multiple weapons. So it's just a lot of juggling, a lot of resource management, um, some hand management, worker placement. Like just trying to get as much stuff as you can to fulfill as many contracts as you can. It, I, it's just, it's really good. And I honestly can't even tell you why, because I'm like, I forget half of it all the time. But in looking at the board, I'm like, oh yeah, like the colors really stand out to me. I like the look of it. Um... I like that idea of where you're like, okay, which one of these missions am I going to complete first, um, and then I'm going to have these same weapons like left over to use for this, to use for that, like trying to get res, like get things without having to go to the space and like other ways, because you're just trying to make the most of these workers that you have, um, and with the limited spaces that you have to go to these different places to collect the stuff. I really liked it. I would like to play it again, obviously, to jog my memory. Um, it's like a little crunchy. I don't want to say it's like overwhelmingly crunchy, but um, you really have to work that system and like figure out how to get around things and get what you need um, to fulfill those missions. It it's it's really good. I really enjoyed it. So my number seventy is Yido.
1: Yeah, my favorite thing is you either have to use your worker to get the stuff at the location or to, to be used as completing a contract. So you're kind of mm-hmm. like trying to decide, yeah. which is pretty neat. That's a little different, and I like that. So moving from Japan, my number 69 is going to take us to China. And this is a game from What's Your Game? I'm and so proud called, that you do that. I did know that. You're building a great wall. Yeah. And this is called Zhang Wo. I probably said it wrong, but yeah, whatever. I'm trying. Zhang. Um, And this is a game This is a really heavy game It's heavy, it's a beast And what you're trying to do in this Is you are trying to bring All the governors Of the territories of China together And instill your religion Your currency And your laws Basically what that boils down to is You're going to be playing some cards And you have a choice You can play the card to the main board Which will let you do a certain action So long as you either play it higher or lower Than the card that's there And those actions could be building the Great Wall. You get points for building in different sections of the Great Wall. You may be able to instill a governor in a certain location. You get points and bonuses for that. You may be able to build a temple in a location. You may be able to... uh, There's one more. Uh, Do something else. I can't remember. Uh, Get cubes to put on your player board. Or you can put a card down in your player board, which is going to make different districts on your player board that represent districts on the, the main board more powerful, and when you do locations using that district, you're going to get more b- bonuses based on what action you take. Uh, it's, it's actually a pretty simple game to play, like VTEL is sort of simple. You just play a card, and you do the thing, but when the thing happens, a whole bunch of other stuff happens. It's, it's hard to teach. It's got a lot of rules. Uh, I mostly just play this two players by myself just because I hate teaching it, and I, every time I play it, I have to relearn it, but it's worth it. If, you, if someone knows how to play it, I would love to play it with you. Um, and, yeah, that's it. So my number 69 is Zhang Wo.
0: Yeah, this game is good, but it is ridiculously hard. Like I'm like, yeah, I play heavy games. And I was like, my brain is leaking out my ears. By the time this is over, I'm like, yeah. how do I do anything again? And it is, it reminds me of how I act in a VTOL game. I'm like, okay, I want to do this. How do I do that? Okay, I need this thing. Okay, well, how do I get that thing? Okay, I have to go here. Okay, but I don't have enough to go there. How do I get what I need to go there? It's like, bleh.
1: Yeah, I actually think this is heavier than Vito games because Vito's games are more intuitive. Yeah. Which makes this heavier than that because it's not as intuitive as his stuff. Yeah,
0: I'm going to play this card and it might fire off here and then I get this one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would play it again, absolutely. Um, but after I play it, I need like a break. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, it's for sure. This is a game that you pretty much. This is the only game you're playing that day. It's a beast. Oh yeah. <laughs> um,
0: my next game is not a beast uh, necessarily, but I. It's fun and the themes fun and it's got really cool components. And I think this is a Simon game, right?
1: Uh, yes.
0: What is this? An Air Kim lying? Is he part of this?
1: And Bowser, yeah.
0: Hey, I am two for two, people. Can you believe I? And I didn't even look that up. I didn't even look that up. Straight off You're the
1: learning. You're learning.
0: Shut turn head. The game is number number sixty nine, Victorian masterminds. Uh, what drew me in on this initially was the artwork. The artwork is cool. It's like steampunky, um, kind of thing, which is really part of the theme because you're in the Victorian age, um, but you've got machines. So you're trying to everyone is like an evil mastermind who's trying to build a doomsday machine. So, you're doing that by playing these like really cool, and like these components are awesome in this game. These really cool um, gears that have um, different types of people that work with you, the evil mastermind, and they do different things. And you're going to lay them face down um, on these different locations to either like collect um, parts for your doomsday machine. Or you're going to use them to like capture um, famous landmarks. You know, it's just all these fun, like evil villainy things that you get to do. Um, as you build a doomsday machine, you're unlocking like special powers and things that you get um, to help you just with your reign of terror. Uh, again, the components are cool. The, the cool thing about the, the um, worker placement mechanism is so each worker does a different thing. Um, and once a particular like place is full, um, like it has three workers, right? Is the full.
1: Yep, Yep. Yep.
0: It's going to resolve. So you're going to get things or some of your workers actually negate someone else's, um, like worker that's there. If you happen to come after them,
1: Right, and that's the only mean part of this game. That's it, just that one guy.
0: Yeah, just that one guy. But how that's played and when that's played, you can really thwart some other villains' plans, which are lovely. It's got um, all these really cool miniatures for the different um, like landmarks, like Big Ben and uh, the Basilica and the Eiffel Tower and the Colosseum, just like really. It's just really, it looks cool on the board. I think that the cover or the box art is cool. Um, I don't know who does the art. That's the one thing I don't know. But it's just a fun game. It's definitely one that you want to play with like three or four for sure. Two is not great. I think four is good. Um, But it still goes, it goes quick. David Tosello. No idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, I grabbed the box, but I couldn't find the artist.
0: David, <laughs> Um I love that artwork. It's just, it's like, um, like the main guy on the front looks like Dick Dastardly, but made steampunk, which I, I'm a big fan of Wacky Racers. So love that. Um, it's it's light ish. But there's enough, like, cool things happening and, like, really great components that I think it's worth any gamer playing. So I really enjoy this, obviously, because it's my number 69, Victorian Masterminds.
1: What other game did we play that had that same deal? Oh, it's Don't Go In There. Yeah. Don't Go In There does that three thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of that when you were talking. Yeah, Victorian Masterminds is great. I think it was on my Outside the 100 thing. Just, yeah, I like it. Just, I liked other things better, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number sixty-eight is a game that I actually think it moved up because right before I uh, I played it, right before I did my list. Yes, and, and it was a good time. It was. It was very fun, and this game is called Everdell, and Everdell is a little tableau building game, worker placement game, where you're taking on the role of a little type of creature. We only have the base game, um, so there's like four different creatures you can be critters, I guess is actually what they're called. And on your turn, you're either going to send a creator out to the board and collect some resources, maybe get some cards, claim a goal, that kind of thing. Or you're going to build a card into your tableau, which is I think they call it your city. And you have a 15-card limit, and cards are going to give you things. When you build certain cards, they may give you some kind of resources, some kind of bonus. Um, Some cards are going to give you points for other cards. You're just trying to build the most efficient tableau in front of you. And eventually you're going to run out of workers, run out of things to do. You'll pass into the next season. You'll get more workers. You get all your worker back. Keep going. Um, different seasons may trigger some harvest. All your green buildings can activate and all that kind of thing. And after you play through all four seasons, uh, whoever has the most points is the winner. It's, it's a pretty – it's a family-weight game, I would say. Maybe a little bit deeper than that. But it's really fun. Great art. Great production. And I really like it. I would like to try an expansion at some point, but we don't have any. So, maybe Sunday. So, my number 68, Everdell.
0: Yeah, maybe Christmas present. Um, I had such a good time the last time we played this that it will be discussed in a few weeks, actually.
1: Dang, nice.
0: I know. It was good. Before, it was kind of moving down to my esteem. And then I was like, dang, I like this. It This is good. And I really think expansion would make it like Chef's Kiss even better. Speaking of Chef's Kiss and speaking of Uncle Vitel. My number 68 is a Vital game. It is not my favorite VTAL game. But I have grown to appreciate it after a very, very poor initial play where I said, never again. I hate this game. I had a bad experience. And all the while, but, Uncle VTAL was watching me play it.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, but you also were being watched by VTAL, which was cool.
0: Yeah. So that just makes how badly I played <laughs> even worse. And that game is Lisboa. So, in true retail fashion, Lisboa is about Portugal. Um, The city of Lisboa actually um, had an earthquake, like a pretty serious one, like eight and a half, like a 9.0 magnitude in 1755. And so now, after the city's been destroyed, you are going to help bring it back.
1: It wasn't just an earthquake, it was also floods and fires.
0: Well, yes, but that, like, the earthquake triggered a tsunami, and then there were fires because everything was broken so it just was basic pandemonium it was like in hercules um the disney animated movie where like everything happens this one town that town was lisboa (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) so you're helping the king and the foreign minister of foreign affairs the, the the marquess of pombal whatever we are like yes we're going to fix this city So really, you're trying to get points, Um, but you're doing that through working like on the downtown, like working with these businesses and stuff and helping set up the streets. Um, There's boats and stuff like, honestly, I, I barely grasp this game still. So like, I can't even explain it in a thematic way. Like you're putting houses down on these buildings and that somehow triggers these things on the edges of the buildings. And um, there's some shipping things somehow and you get boats. Uncle Vitao said, don't neglect the boats. That's why yeah, this
1: Yeah. You can't ignore the boats. Yeah.
0: That's why it sticks out in my mind. Um, you've got to get permits to do this. Is This is again, the Vitao game where I'm like, okay, I want to build on this street. How do I do that? Okay. Well, I have to have, Money. Okay, well, how do I get money? Okay, well, I probably need to ship and stuff. Okay, how do I get stuff to ship? Like, it's just like, okay, well, I want to build here. Well, you have to have a permit. Okay, which one do I Okay, I need to get a permit. Okay, which permit do I need? Oh, I have to go to the... It's like,
1: wait. Yeah, and, and just like Zhang Wo, this game is also play a card, do the thing. That's what drives all of this. You're just playing a card. Then all the other stuff, fired you're
0: up. never just playing a card. <laughs> I don't even remember playing cards in this game. That is again how much I don't understand it. Um, but I've had good experiences playing it like the first time, no, but since then, yes. And each time I feel like I figure it out a little bit more, it's again not my favorite because I think of that like the sheer complexity of it. You have like a player aid that's like a freaking book
1: yeah it's huge
0: um it's outrageous it's huge huge, and you absolutely need it like you 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 do uh but man if you want to sit down and like really dig into a game like this is it like it's got eno tool art see how i remember that there this is eagle griffin so of course it's like expensive and i don't know how we end up with a copy probably scratching den or something
1: it was on cool stuff actually they were selling it for 45 dollars
0: a steal, people. A steal. Yeah, I don't know why. Parts because there's a crap ton of stuff to this game like bits and cards and tiles and uh, old dudes and wigs on stuff. We have played this with the queen. Is that an expansion? There's no way there's the queen. an expansion. Remember, no, cause the, it's like this three old dudes.
1: Yeah, all the queen does is just replaces one of the characters with a card that makes her a queen, I think.
0: Okay. I yeah. like it. I like the queen obviously um but this game is good it's one of those like it's so difficult but not like but only difficult enough that it makes me want to come back to try and figure it out and I love Uncle retail so that is my number 68 Lizboa
1: yeah I'll be talking about this multiple weeks later really? Um, is yeah this, it's this not isn't my... your
0: favorite retail? is
1: it? no it's not my favorite but I do like it I don't think it's my favorite it might be the same favorite that you have I think is my favorite but it's definitely in my top 20, I think.
0: Hmm. Nice. I, again,
1: I don't know that I'm not looking at my list. So if we talk about it next is, week, is, pretend oh, my is favorite
0: there. is in my top 20. Whoa. Okay. Sorry. All right. So
1: <laughs> my number 67, speaking of games that kind of melt your brain, uh, I guess I have a lot of these on, in this section of my list, which again, I think it's because I don't play them a ton and it is Trickerion legends of illusion. I don't know. It has a subtitle. I don't know. doesn't matter. Trickerion, <laughs> And this is a Dog game Arts about Academy. that's the two-player like a- expansion thing.
0: Well, then why do you have that listed on like all of our tracking?
1: Because that's the i I put one in there, and I thought that was it, and then it wasn't. So I just uh, used that one as my stand-in for Trakirian.
0: Mm. I talked about this last week.
1: So Trakirian is a game where you're uh, a magician from like I don't know, early 1900s, late 1800s. I have no idea. And you're trying to collect different types of materials to make tricks to like, so you can put on tricks and then you're, uh, and this is all done through some programming worker placement stuff. And then eventually once you have tricks, the stuff for the tricks, you have to go to your, your, um, like workshop, put the tricks together. Then eventually you're going to have to go to the theater so you can set up the trick and hopefully perform the trick to score points, prestige, and all that kind of stuff. Um it, and as the game goes on, you're going to be getting more tricks. You're going to get you know higher level tricks. This game also has a book, a booklet of like information in it, like Lisboa. Not as it's just mostly like cards, so you don't have to dig through the pile every time. But still, it's a book. It's a great game. It takes up a ton of table space. It's a beast of a teach. Um, not one that I want to teach, which is why if you don't know how to play it, I'm you're probably I'm not going to teach you. And I'm sorry for it, but I'm not going to. But if you know how to play it, I'll gladly play it with you again. So my number 67, tricky, Yeah. I talked about it last week.
0: I like it. My number 67, we don't own. And it is...
1: We we do own.
0: Oh, you're right. We do own. We went and got it after we played it. Um, We do. We do want the T marquis. We do own this game. Um, And it's an Uwe game. And I we just played it at JuliaCon. And it was... Obviously, good, and that game is Hallertau. So Hallertau, the actual like thematic of it is you're in this like area that produces a lot of hops. Um, the game is set like 1850, I think, which is when they're like this Bavarian village is really getting itself together, and so you are going to help it get itself together. So it, in some ways, is Agricola esque because it's uve you got I mean, yeah
1: they, they all are yeah
0: you got the farms um so you got your farm that you're working on and you're putting stuff in your farm so you're planting stuff and you know i mean which is good because you want to plant stuff you're growing things you're getting some sheepies um and you're using it through this like Again, like you've got worker placement, so you're taking these actions um, on these different tiles to do things to help you grow your farm, to trade well and cultivate what you've got. And um, you're going to then use the goods that you produce uh, to move parts of your farm, I guess, over.
1: Yeah, it's like your community building or something. I don't yeah, know what it
0: yeah is. I think the big thing is your community building, but you've got to get other stuff out of the way.
1: You pick it up and you like physically move it over for some reason. I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's creeping. I don't understand that. <laughs>
1: it's on river tracks.
0: <laughs> but in order to do that, you've got to move your own personal buildings over. So you've got your your bigger building and then you've like, okay, well, I've also got a brew house and I've got this cooling house. And I've got this bake house. And so you've got to get them out of the way. you got rocks in the way. And the way you move those things is through... Um, paying certain amounts of resources that you've been growing and cultivating and gathering over the replacement placement period to then use in like that last phase. There's also like a weird jewelry box, which doesn't make sense how it fits in, but you use these jewels as like wilds essentially <laughs> to help you out. You can get a, like there's a ring and it moves around. Um, that part seems very disconnected, if I'm being honest, duvet. I don't know why it's there. But it's just a really interesting, cool puzzle to me. I, I really love that. Uh, I think maybe moving it over, like, implements, like, growth or improvement. I don't know. Like, just not literally, but, like, metaphorically. I don't know. But you've got cards that you can play, which um, I like the card play in Agricola. And so I feel like the cards, and as you play them, they're, like, really powerful. Um. The way, like, you increase your fields and, like, they lose potency over time if, unless you let, leave them fallow, which is, like, super on point if you're farming at all. Um, we do crop rotation here in Ohio and all those kind of things. So it's – there's just a lot of really cool stuff in this game. I like it. I like it a lot. I think the more I play it, the more I like it. Um, I may like it more than Agricola because – it allows you to kind of do your own thing to reach the same kind of goal. Where I feel like in Agricola, it's like, okay, you need to get one of every animal. Then you need to get your whole field filled. Then you need to get, which I, you don't you don't have that here. And so I, I really, I really enjoy this game. And I can't wait to play it more now that we own it. That is my number 67, Hallertau. Towel
1: yeah and again, that jewelry thing might make sense. It might be in the rule book, but we were taught the game, so oh, that's true yeah I, I don't know for sure um so my number sixty six is a game that I'm pretty sure it's been on our list multiple times before from Queen and it's called Fresco and this is um an action selection game where you're gonna have these little meeple guys, little meeple things I don't know cubes, <laughs> whatever who cares. you, you have not them behind cubes, your the pl-
0: paints or cubes.
1: The, whatever it's these little like meeple characters these little tiny ones and you're using them behind your board as like a, a bidding mechanism a blind bidding programming mechanism of what actions you want to take whoever puts the most down gets first dibs on that action um, based on you know, first it goes in wake up order then it'll go in that order and you're trying to collect different paints you're trying to mix paints you're trying to make portraits of people to earn some extra money. You, then you're trying to ultimately go to the chapel to paint the ceiling. It's not the Sistine Chapel, but it looks an awful lot like it. Um, and you're trying to score points that way. So mixing paints, getting paints, painting the building to score points. That's the gist of the game. It's a, a, it's a little more complex than what it looks like. But once you get it down, you play around, you're good to go. Uh, it's a really fun game. has cool art. Nice production for a queen game. And I like it. So my number 66, Fresco.
0: Yeah, I think I talked about it on the 100 Outside the 100 the other week, possibly.
1: That sounds right.
0: Uh, my next one, I I think you talked on the 100 Outside the 100 the other I week. Did. Yep, I did, yep. Uh, and that game is Indulgence. So uh, Indulgence is a trick-taking game. And I love trick-taking games. Again, Midwest Kid. We love our trick-taking games. We are Euchre. This one is for three to four players. And so the cool thing is in this, you've got like these edicts. And there's an edict that really gives the rule for the hand. That's what helps you know, um, there's not really trump, but what gets played, um, what cards you're looking for, what cards you should avoid, all those things. Um, So you're kind of deciding, okay, which one do you want to go with? Um, can we do that? Because someone could decide like, that's it. I'm going to violate this. I'm going to commit a sin. And I am going to try to do the opposite of what the EX says and get them all or get none. And, oh, that is so, so tricky. No pun intended. Um, this is a restoration of a game called Dragon Master, Um, that actually Milton Bradley published, which I think is really interesting, which is, that was even a kind of play on a different game entirely before that. Uh, it's, this is like a long tradition of games, but I feel like it has made, it has made it to this, to the point where it's an indulgence that it's just so well done. Like, I, if you like trick taking games, you need this game. Because uh if you win, you get to collect gems for that, which they're really nice and fun to have those gems. Um, does this have the pope ring in it?
1: Yeah, if you if you're the sinner, you get the pope ring. Uh,
0: yeah, it's for a cool a cool ring. So it's got like fun little like stuff. But it's heart, it's like kind of does what sometimes I think the crew does by taking classic trick taking and like augmenting Interesting rules that then change every round, so you really get like a new experience. And for me, who loves tricky taking games, like oh, this is where it's at. So my number sixty-six is indulgence.
1: Yeah, this game's great, but it just got overshadowed by Fireball Island and uh, Downforce and the the bigger games that they did at Restoration. Which is sad because this game's fantastic. Yes. Uh, my number sixty-five is a game from Hatchet or Hatchet. I don't know how you say it. Games, and it's called Nidavellir, mm. and this is a bidding game at its heart, bidding set collection game, where you're using these coins that you have to kind of pre-program bids for these three different taverns to try to collect different dwarves. Right? Are they dwarves? yes? They're dwarves. And each of the dwarves are going to have a different scoring. Um, there's five different colors. They're each going to score differently. Uh, so purples, the more you get, the more points you get. Green, I think they're going to do like the Fibonacci sequence. And then the, the more you get, the quicker they go up. Blue is just their value. Orange is going to be the number of orange banners times the number in the banner. And red, whoever has the most of those, gets like to the double their highest coin. And if you get a whole set of five, you get to take a special dwarf which are going to have different scoring options, maybe some special abilities. And you're going to do that over a certain number of rounds, over two different eras based on the number of players, and whoever has the most points is the winner. And in between era one and era two, or I don't know what they call it, but there are going to be some awards for whoever has the most of each type, each color of dwarf, which is pretty cool. It's a really simple game. Uh, If you can bid and you know what number is higher than another number, and you understand how each of the dwarves score, you can play this game. It has really good art. It's great production, and I really like it. So my number 65, Nineveh Yeah,
0: I'll talk about this in a couple of weeks. It's good. I actually think we haven't played it for a while. I kind of miss it. Maybe we'll bring it out. Uh, my number 65 is getting a reprint, and it was out of print for a long time, so I felt like we had this precious... Um, very expensive game, but now it's gonna be old hat. But the the new one has better art for sure. That is Mystery of the Abbey. Um, I am a Clue fan. I am a deduction game fan. Mystery of the Abbey takes that basic premise. um, And basically, it's like, let's take what happens if Clue and guess who had a baby? And there were monks. And that would be Mr. The Abbey. So you're trying to figure out who killed one of the brothers at the monastery. Um, But you're doing that by, again, going around the monastery and talking to different people, seeing who they know about. But all of your questions are out in the open. So everyone has the same information. Um, But there are, like, other things you can do to change this game from being basic clue. There are some cards that you can have and play. Um, at the end of so many rounds, everybody has to come back to the chapel for mass. So you kind of reset like where everybody is. Um, mass allows you to circulate cards around so you can see more of the brothers. And then you've got this kind of like little guess who pad where it's like all the monks are part of a particular order. They have their own particular like rank, I guess I w- could say. Um Where they are in their order, they're like brothers or novices or fathers. Um, And then uh, some of them are fat. Some of them are thin. Some of them have hoods. Some of them don't. Some of them are... Beardy. Oh, have beards and some of them don't. Uh, It's just like, it's that good classic deduction game with a few little extra elements that I think just make it stand out from your typical run-of-the-mill clue. So that's why it's my number 65, Mystery of the Abbey.
1: Yeah, this is a good one. Thank you. I think so. Way better than Clue. I'll, get, I'll say that for sure. So my number 64 is probably one of the greatest games of all time. Hence the reason it's on my list, at least card games. And this is a game called Scout. And this is a little card game. It's just cards. That's nothing, nothing else, than some tokens. And what you're trying to do in this game is you are playing cards from your hand. The trick is you cannot rearrange the cards in your hand and the cards have numbers on both sides. So before you even start playing, you're going to pick which side of the cards you want to use and you can flip the cards in your hand one time to determine, you know, maybe the other side has more numbers that go together. And what you're trying to do on your turn is you're trying to play cards down to score points. So if I am going after Katie and Katie plays two sixes, I either have to play two sevens or I would have to play three cards of a run or of a kind. If I can do that, I take her cards and I score two points because she played two cards. If I can't, I have to scout, which means I take one of the cards she plays, put it in my hand either way, wherever I want, and Katie gets a point. And you're going to keep going like that until either uh, someone runs out of cards or if someone plays a group of cards and everybody scouts and he gets back down to that person, hands over. And then you're going to add points whoever has the most points for that hand, gets those points and you're going to play over a number of rounds per player as players. Or I think four or five, I don't know. I just do a number of players. And then whoever has the most points is the winner. It's a super simple game. It's a little different because having numbers on both sides is a little weird, but it's great. Everybody who we've played it with has had a good time and I love it. So my number is 64 Scout.
0: Yep. I talked about this the other day on the 100 outside the 100, I think. You did. Okay I was just looking at how long this episode is I'm like man We're making up for last week We didn't have an episode I guess
1: Yeah it's it's getting up there It's fine
0: Sorry Uh, As I become less coherent It's because it's getting closer And past my bedtime
1: I got nothing but time to edit this thing Oh my gosh I'm going to fall
0: asleep if I take too long. <laughs> uh, my number 64 is a cooperative game, and it is so good, and I really think we should play it uh, to- at uh, our holiday gathering. I think my cousin's husband really liked this one. Oh,
1: yeah. He, yeah, he would like this.
0: Um, and that game is Black Orchestra. This is from uh, – I, I, I will keep calling him our friend, even though we've never met him, but a great guy, PDB, um, Philip Duberry I do message
1: with him quite a bit. So I would say he's our friend.
0: Okay. I never messaged him, but he seems like a really great dude. Uh, So PDB, uh, Black Orchestra, this game is cooperative where you are part of the plot to kill Hitler from within his own regime. So everyone has kind of a different role that they play you know, and again, real people. Absolutely. This happened historical based a lot on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life. Um, You can also play Bonhoeffer in the game, as well as many other people, Um, some who worked in the ad some that were part of like the military, just lots of different things. Um, And you are trying to move around to get uh, different components to uh, be able to fulfill these requirements to put a plot in motion to kill Hitler, then you have to get where he is and then put the plot in motion to try and kill him without the Gestapo (laughs) throwing you in jail without being too suspicious.
1: They're going to get you. They're going to get
0: you. They absolutely will. And then you have to like make tough choices to get out or have someone else get you out. If you and all your compatriots are in the, in jail, you fail. Uh, If Hitler gets to a certain like level of power, or, or is it time?
1: If, if you run out of cards, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, if you go through this whole timeline, you lose. Um, it is hard, but we have won. A couple times. A couple times. But it is, like, so cool. Like, it is a really cool way, I think, to interact with history because there's so much history involved in it. Um, and again, like, the idea is, like, hey, I'm on this kind of espionage, secret mission to take out Hitler, like, it is very, it's it, it's tense, um, but again, not super difficult. You've got kind of your, everyone has their action points, and then like a special power to use to try to gather the resources they need, move things around, um, help each other out, uh, avoid the Gestapo, try to look less suspicious, lower Hitler's like power, uh, just all kinds of things going on in this game, but it is super good. It's one of my favorite co-ops. Um and it's it's intense, but so fun. So my number 64, Black Orchestra.
1: Oh yeah, this is good. I've played this multiple times by myself with using a couple characters It's so good. Uh, I cooperate with myself pretty well. Mm, yeah. So my number 63 is actually a game that I'm looking at because I set my microphone on it. And it's from Simon, And it is called Dogs of War. And talk about a game that's hard to get. Ooh. This is one. Um, the only reason we have it, uh, a place was going out of business and they had a copy. Our friends went and I said, hey, if you can find this, pick this up, I'll pay you back. So they found it. It was a little bit pricey, but not as pricey as it is now. And this game is a—it's f- from Palomori and this game is effectively a fancy, really nicely produced tug of war. And what that means is you're taking on the role of a different like uh, p- benefactor or
0: A dog investor. of war. You're literally like... Yeah. A merchant making money off of
1: right the war. You're hiring like people to go fight in these wars. You're and you're backing different sides of these three wars uh, to try to pull the war in your team's favor to score points. But there are some cards that you can play where you can then well maybe that war is not going that well. You can throw your support on the other side of the same war because you don't care. You just want to win. Uh, it's it can be super mean. It it can make people mad, but. <laughs> It's it. I don't know why this game's just super fun to me. I, I love it. It's, it has way like more production than necessary. Uh, you start putting these minis on the board and you can't even see what's going on anymore. Especially but, my minis. Yeah. Especially the one Katie always uses with these big hats. They're super obnoxious and their powers obnoxious too. Um, big but it's a fantastic game. If you haven't played it and you can find it or you want to, you know, you're around us. We'll play it with you. I'll play it with you. I love it. Uh, it's it's great it's a it's a pretty simple game to play honestly but it's just it's just a good time and my number 63 is dogs of war
0: it is good i imagine it's 100 outside 100 but i haven't looked at my list um my number 64
1: nope 63 i (laughs) forgot which number
0: we were on my number 63 is a game that we don't own and i honestly have only played it once but I really enjoyed it, and it just—I just can't get it out of my brain. And that game is Corrosion. So Corrosion, you're building, you uh, manage a factory, and you've got these engines, and so you've got all these dials. And that's what's really cool is there's all these like gears and wheels in your factory, and you're turning them on your turn, um, and like. A, again, things get corroded as you use the work and you have to like keep things, you don't want like stuff to get rusty. So you're like trying to like fix things and, you know, shift from one engine to the next and, um, you know, get your supplies going. Like there's a lot to manage in this game, but like the, the turning of stuff is really cool. Probably just gimmicky, but cool. Um, like there's like these tiles almost of what different things produce at different times, um, card play with your different kinds of engineers that you're working through, like sort of like a deck builder in some ways. Um, cause you're in, like kind of deploying these engineers to do different things on your turn. Um, it is good. I, man, I need to play this again. Um, I think it's from capstone. Uh, it
1: could be, yeah, I don't, I don't remember,
0: but, It is just a really fun game. Like, at first I'm like, this is a theme I don't like. But it's not. It's like really not. Uh, It's just like using your engines. And I love a good engine builder. And uh, this is one of those, both literally and mechanically. So, yeah. My number uh, 63 is corrosion.
1: And it's all female engineers, which is cool. It is.
0: Women in steam STEM, not Steam. But there's <laughs> Steam in the game.
1: There is Steam. It's Steam and STEM. You're right. Steam and STEM. So my number sixty-two is a game that I love. We have the expansion. I've played it a pile of times. Um
0: buttload is the cra- word.
1: Buttload is the word of the day, <laughs> apparently. And uh, it's a fantastically gory, true theme, and it's called the bloody end. And this is a game about uh, running a hotel or an inn or mo- whatever, an inn. And people are coming to stay in your inn. And as they're there, in the night while they're sleeping, you're going to kill them and steal their stuff. And the way that's done is you're going to be playing some cards to either recruit these people that are staying in your inn into your like, gang or your group. Or you may go into their room and just kill them. And then you, then you have to dispose of the body before a certain time because maybe they're a police stand in the end, and they might investigate you and you have to lose money and you lose your body. That what's worse than like killing somebody and then losing it? That's terrible. Hmm. um But it's just a, a silly card game. It's only cards really. It's just all just cool art cards and multi-use cards, which is cool too. It's good at all player counts, played it at two, three and four. love it. It's pretty quick. The expansion just adds more silliness, more craziness. And I love it. So my number 62, The Bloody Inn.
0: Yeah, this one's good. And I think the theme is crazy. Uh, my number 62 has fallen over the years um, because I honestly have found other deck builders that I like better. But this one will always hold a special place in my heart. And that is Tanto Quare. Yes, it is the Slutty Maids game. Uh, but over the years, they have come out with expansions, which are actually standalone versions. But you can also, um, I think you can do some mixing.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can mix all the sets together,
0: and they're even come out with a new one called Memento More, which looks just as good because they they've begin they've began to put in new mechanics that I think make this an even more interesting deck builder. Um, my current favorite is Winter Romance because you've got butlers as well as maids, and they can go on dates, and you're trying to figure out all this other stuff. Um, the artwork is good; um, some are more risque than others. But um, what I really love is they do a nice job of creating synergy between the cards. No matter which maids you pick, you try to get some kind of from each, like, amount of costs as far as populating the market. Um, But then they just work so well together. um, And there's, I think there's this great balance between I want to, like, get cards to, like, chamber, which kind of puts them in, like, this, like, unusable state, but you're saving them for points for later, but also have cards in your deck that you can use to keep that kind of engine going of getting more maids, more points, chain them together. You have to have service or to be able to actually play cards. So making sure you have enough of that. Um, there's just a lot of really great things to balance in this deck builder and I, I just like them all. Um, but my favorite is probably Winter Romance. Uh, but the new one might give it a run for its money. So my number 62 is overall the whole collection of Tanto Quarries.
1: Yeah, I would like this more more if the text wasn't so minuscule. It, it is
0: minuscule. Like it's
1: it's really hard. to You always have to pick up the cards and then you look like a perv, like you're staring at the art. Um, and I'm really just trying to read. I don't even realize there's art in the card. I just want to know what the card does. But yeah, that's my only issue. But with the this.
0: only true perv is that one guy from like the board game
1: board game brawl
0: brawl yeah. or whatever who I thought was a creep from the beginning and he really is a creep and I hate that he likes a game that I like
1: he's in jail now
0: so box off
1: uh, so my number 61 moving on from maids we're going back to Asia we're uh, back Cory
0: was Asia
1: <laughs> well that's true that's true well maybe they're just anime we don't know where it takes place it could just be maybe the anime maids have moved to like no, Canada that stuff
0: only happens in Japan I'm telling you <laughs>
1: All right. Well, we're in Hong Kong now. And uh, this game is called Blackout Hong Kong. And this is an Alexander Pfister game. And this is a game about trying to restore the power grid in Hong Kong after a blackout, hence the name. And the way you're doing that is you're going to be playing cards to these three different piles or four if you've unlocked it to try to collect different resources like water, food, batteries, um, gasoline, all that kind of stuff. And then you're going to be using those resources to play other cards, complete contracts, secure districts to score points. Well, if you can secure districts, you're going to get a lot of points, but you could also buy new cards to get a lot of points too, fulfill contracts, get these checkpoints. A whole bunch of stuff going on. That's a super oversimplification because this is a pretty heavy game like a lot of Fistro games, but it's great. It has some interesting stuff going on. It feels kind of similar to Mombasa. They have some similar feels to them, but I like this one a lot more than Mombasa. That's not even on my list. So my number 61, Blackout Hong Kong.
0: Yeah, I'd like to play this one again, actually. Because of what I remember, I liked it. We played it probably a couple times, but I'd like to play it again. It's good. Uh, my number 61, I think I've played more than once. <laughs> but I, we don't own this. And honestly, part of it is because the name is so stupid. I thought it was like, um, like a a dumb like battle game but it's not druid city
1: letting you down again with the names
0: i know god love you james you're the most adorable man in board games but why why are you naming these things you know what he probably didn't but he could have said hey eisners no no to this name the name is title blades heroes of the reef in my mind it's like blade okay I'm making that association Title blades why because I mean I guess there is kind of fighting barely I don't I, I just feel like the theme is not not there um so this actually has like there are I mean there's dice in there right I mean you've got dice yeah
1: you're using dice to like fulfill contracts and fight the monster but you're never really fighting each other though
0: yeah so it's it's this Dice as workers kind of thing. Dice placement. Um, And the art is cool. Like, that's one really great thing about this. Looking at it on the table, it's super pretty. Also, it takes up the entire table. It is out of control. Lots of stuff going on. But it looks cool. So you're going to these different places with your dice um, to collect stuff. Yes, you're fulfilling contracts. Um, I mean, go out and fight these, like... The massive hagworm, and uh, you have to get these certain types of dice in order to defeat it. So, you got to take the dice with you and you got to get those different places. Um, You have the, you choose your hero. Like, they make it sound like you're, it's like this big, like battle fight adventure, but it's just really like
1: a worker placement. Dice
0: placement as workers. (laughs) I mean, uh, I, I, it's, yeah, again, there's like this adorable little uh, oxy-oddle, oxy-oddle, um named eco character that's adorable. Um, but you have like these different um, dials on your player board that like move up your different power for like these different types of dice, which helps you do better <laughs> with them. Um, the like, I don't know if these are deluxified components, but there's like really cute little components like shells and peaches or oranges or something? I don't
1: yeah, know. Yeah, Chris Chris just has the regular version I think and it's just cardboard stuff.
0: But but it
1: does look real real cool.
0: Um again, really cute game. I am a big fan of of dice placement games and dice as workers, and this one is gorgeous. I just definitely overlooked it cuz I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to like battle it out in an arena, you know, like freaking Pokemon or what's the one? Um, with the guy with the weird head, he's got weird like pyramid ha- hair, but it is about like Egyptian stuff. Yugi, what? Is it, Yu Gi Oh? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't act like you don't know. <laughs> what? But it's not. It's so.
1: No, are you thinking of Dragon Ball Z?
0: No, we're not thinking of Dragon Ball Z. They don't have pyramid uh, hair. You look they up Yu Gi Oh. look like they have pyramid. No, hair. they don't. No, they got like little sprouts. Poking out different areas, unless you're Vegeta. Look up Yu-Gi-Oh!
1: I don't wanna pyramid hair. Anyway, yeah. it's yeah. not
0: that. It's absolutely not that. Um, it's it's fun. Like it says like all oh, you completing challenges held in the three arenas and
1: <sighs> I
0: just don't feel that. I honestly don't feel that thematically when you play it.
1: They do a bad job marketing their games for people.
0: I know. And it makes me so sad because they are fun to play. This is fun to play. Absolutely. Um, but again, I know I'm bad at setting aside all kinds of misconceptions about the box art, about the theme, about uh, the stupid name. And even as I'm reading like the description of BGG, I'm like, what the heck? That doesn't sound like anything at all. So just ignore that. Find this game and play it because it's good.
1: It's a good worker placement game.
0: It's worker placement game, hand management, contract fulfillment. Good, good times are had by all. So my number 61, Tidal Blades, Heroes of the Reef.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk about more about that company's naming practices way later on. So uh, yeah, just keep that in mind.
0: I don't even remember what game is the
1: worst on that we just it, it may have Alice in it.
0: Oh, it's like we recently got on like a, a <laughs> SO box about this.
1: Yeah, you know which game it is.
0: I do, I do. We're probably gonna play it. Tomorrow.
1: Tomorrow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Um so that is uh through sixty one. Jace, let's recap seventy to sixty one real quick in our list.
1: All right, my number 70, Cleopatra and the Society of Architects. 69, Zhang Wo. 68, Everdell. 67, Trakirian some subtitle. 66, Fresco. 65, Nidavellir, 64, Scout. 63, Dogs of War. 62, The Bloody Inn. And 61, Blackout Hong Kong.
0: My number 70 was Yido, 69 Victorian Masterminds, 68 Lisboa, 67 Hallertau. 66 Indulgence, 65 Mystery the Abbey, 64 Black Orchestra, 63 Corrosion, 62 Quarry, and number 61 Tidal Blades, Heroes of the Reef. If you have made it this far through my incoherent ramblings, thank you. You are the true hero.
1: Highest of fives.
0: Highest of fives. And a turkey trot too.
1: Nice call back.
0: Thank you. Um, so for those of you in the States, happy Thanksgiving. For those of you not in the States, happy Thanksgiving anyway. Um, I'm
1: sure Canada has like Boxing Day. Or no, Canada Mitten does Day have
0: Thanksgiving, something. but their Thanksgiving is earlier in the year than ours. Uh,
1: of course it is. They do everything wrong. It's fine.
0: <laughs> well, it's probably because they, they're so deep in snow now. Nobody can get to anybody's house on Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true.
0: Great White North, eh? Yeah. Um, But yes, we have so many things to be thankful for and you guys who some reason like to torture yourselves and listen to us, you are definitely one of the things we're thankful for this year. So thank you so much for hanging in there with us. Um, To be honest, things have been a little rough around here lately and so uh, we appreciate all your support, um, your friendship, and just uh, you being a part of the hobby and helping us learn about new games. You guys are legit the best.
1: Yeah, it's been a nice escape from real life, getting to chat with you guys on Facebook and YouTube and all the places that we chat. So I do appreciate it because, yeah, like Katie said, it's been rough. And you guys have made it less rough and more cool. So thank you.
0: All right. Well, this has been more than long enough. So I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody.
1: Keep gaming.